your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. We are citizens of the world. One of my guests, Michael Pereira, made this statement when he was on my show. Well, how right he is. This pandemic has been difficult for all of us. Recently, well, just three days ago, I lost my mother-in-law to COVID. We've also lost many friends to COVID. Well, Marjorie was a quiet person and kind-hearted. She loved being with her grandkids and great-grandchildren. She also enjoyed dog-sitting and watching the birds and the squirrels outside of their den window. One of the activities Marjorie liked doing with me was baking. She loves her pie crust recipe, and so we'd bake pies for gatherings or just for fun. Of course, her crust was so perfect-looking. Mine never looked like that. Doing her hair was important for her, and she loved going to the salon. Sharing stories of her life growing up were not important to her. What she found more important was sharing stories of her sons growing up. One of those sons, of course, is my husband. My mother-in-law, in which I call her Mom P, supported each of her sons and all of her grandchildren. A loving-hearted woman. When she tested positive, we had hopes because she remained asymptomatic, but that didn't last. Well, I dedicate this episode today to all of you who have lost a loved one to COVID, but especially the vulnerable living in the nursing homes. And it is with such a sad heart to know that people are dying alone. And I am so sorry for that. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law had COVID in early November. And so by producing a positive test, they were able to be with Mom P. That is a blessing for all of us, and of course for her. I share with you this incredible story. On Wednesday night, Ronnie asked her if she wanted him to stay the night. She responded, yes. He stayed with her. That was the last response she would give to anybody. It was as if she knew she would not be alone, and so it was okay to let go. I believe this wholeheartedly. Ronnie and Erlene saw Mom P smile a big, happy smile, and then gasp one last time. My family believes she saw Melvin. Melvin is Dad P. We lost him in February this year. Well, our seniors are our history. That was said by caregiver Gloria Robinson, one of my guests. And yes, indeed, our seniors are our history. Your positive imprint. What's your P.I.? Merle Garrett Powell was born in Arkansas in 1931 during the Great Depression in the United States. She loved being in the kitchen even after an incident that caused her mom to lose her job. Merle says that we don't know what people are really going through, and instead of judging, she prefers to bake something up and share her concoctions with others. Her childhood was not easy, but through her struggles, she found a way to provide her positive imprints. I was born during the Depression, and my folks were not rich at all. My dad was self-educated after the fifth or sixth grade, because at that time, poor families took their children out of school to work, either in the fields or whatever. I was the third child, and out of seven, when I got older, I did a lot of the cooking, and I enjoyed cooking. 
I remember we lived uh, on a rented uh, acreage with uh, a small house. It seemed big to me at the time, but when I went back, I was amazed how small the kitchen was. <laughs> we had a well for water, and it had hard water, so we had to buy the water to drink. And it came in, in five-gallon jugs that we'd put in a cradle so that you could access it. But I remember we didn't have a lot of money, but Mother would always be given the same amount of money every week to go get groceries. And she always got the same thing, knowing that that's exactly what she could afford. It was interesting, and often she would have us cook. <laughs> and I enjoyed the cooking, but never thought about going on further with that. It was just helping cooking. There were times when, when she was sick, or even in high school, and I really always have felt bad about this, she finally had the kids raised enough so that she got a job, and she loved it. It was in a millinery store where she sold hats. She would take the bus every morning to town and then come back, and it was such a, a different life for her, one who had grown up on a cotton farm picking cotton, and she just really enjoyed the the experience. But then I was in charge of cooking the meal for everybody because she wouldn't be home in time to cook it. And one day I had fixed a meatloaf and I had worked with that and put it in the stove and Dad came home before she did. Or I don't even remember her in the picture right then. She hadn't come home yet. And he said, that meat is spoiled. I didn't know the difference. I had made this meatloaf with meat that was not good. And so I just I just dissolved into tears because Aww. it was a failure. And <clears throat> that was the wrong thing to have done because after that, he said to Mother, Merle is overworked. She shouldn't be doing this. So Mother had to quit her job. Oh, no. And I've always oh, felt my. so guilty about about her having to quit when it was something that she really enjoyed. But oh. anyway, then I, when I finished high school, I went to, started college in a small Christian college in Arkansas. And first I started in office work or something because my sister had done that. You know, you follow the first one. That wasn't really what I wanted. So I changed to home economics, and I could only take certain courses there in the small college. So then I transferred to Louisiana Tech to finish that. And after that, I taught in two rural communities, Mooringsport and Bethany. The first was a full year at Mooringsport, and then the next time they divided it, so I had half time at each one. And then... I taught two years then, and then my dad offered graduate school. He was one that had not had any college or anything. He had self-taught, and he was a mechanical engineer, and he never was without a job during the Depression, but there wasn't a lot of money. But when the Poland Brothers started the Poland Chainsaw Company, they hired him as their chief engineer, and that's when he started making enough money to send 
his kids to college. And so that was really exciting, going to college. I went to Missoula to get my graduate degree. Right after that, I was hired by Abilene Christian College for their home economics department, where I did teach some sewing and cooking classes, but my main job was in charge of the home management house, where half a dozen home ec students would register for a half a year at the home management house, where they took charge of the whole shebang. They would divide the duties, and these would rotate, and it would be the cook or the assistant cook or the house cleaner or the just all the jobs were divided among the six. And so they learned a lot of, from each, each thing. And that was really enjoyable because you got to know the students really well. And it was just a, a fun experience. After I was there for three years, I got wanderlust. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I applied to Kodiak, Alaska. I'd met this young man that oh. was there as well, and he had gotten a job in Kodiak, Alaska, and he had encouraged me to come up and see what I thought about Kodiak. So that's why I came up, and uh, there I taught high school and junior high. It was interesting. It was fun. It was nice being in Kodiak. It was a small community. Everybody knew everybody. The roads were unpaved with a lot of potholes. But if you were walking to town and a taxi came by, they did have a few taxis. They would stop and give you a ride just because they didn't have a fare. And it was just kind of like family back then. But after a year, I decided that was enough. Uh, Enough of Kodiak (laughs) or enough of the guy? Well, I guess enough of both because (laughs) it, it just didn't seem to be anything going. And so I got a job in Missoula, Montana, and taught there for a year. And then it seemed like, well, he did miss me. And he wrote all the time. They weren't often, but they were continuous. And he came by to see me two or three times. Wow. And so then, to make a long story short, we married at the end of that year, and I came back to Kodiak. I didn't teach initially. He said, you can teach or you don't have to teach whatever you want. So I chose not to because we, I wanted a family. And so we had two children. I didn't teach Homek again until the youngest one, who was born the next year. And when Wendy got to be kindergarten age... There was an opening in the home ec department, so I decided by encouragement from other of the teachers to go ahead and take that job. And that was fun, teaching the high school there. But there was a teacher there that had also taken a, a temporary job for one of the gals who was out for maternity leave. And when she came back, then this other gal was going to be out of a job. She was a single mother, and she needed the job, and I didn't. So I said, I'd rather she have the job. Oh, and wow. as it, an imprint there. Wow. As it happened, though, after that, community college was getting started, and they wanted me to have a half-time job teaching home ec in the college there. And so since the classes a lot were when the kids were at school, 
that didn't impact family life at all. And so I went ahead and took that job, and it was even more fun. (laughs) Because those students, you know, in high school, some kids like to work and some don't. And, you know, no matter what you do, they don't always become as exciting about something as you do. Adults that came, came because they wanted to learn. So it was really, really fun. And I worked there, seems like, any two years maybe, and then they offered it full-time because they were having so much interest in it. I went ahead and took the full-time job, and at the end of that year, the union decided they wanted to take charge of the college. I am not a person for unions for service jobs. It just seems like years ago, teachers were there for teaching the kids and looking out after their best interests and really working for each kid. And then it had gotten to the point when they unionized, it was more for how much money I can make. And it's a good job because you get tenure and they can't fire you. I mean, that was my feeling about it, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And you didn't have to join, but you had to pay. Well, if you're going to pay them, that's the same as supporting them. And so we couldn't come to a meeting of the minds. <laughs> I let them have the job. And it probably was the best thing that I did because by that time, Wendy and Tracy were into the teenage years in the school and it just relieved a pressure that you had when everybody had to leave at the same time and getting ready and getting out the door. I didn't have to, so I could see them out the door and then I could have time for the rest of the the jobs I had to do at home. So that was my home career. Your convictions are very strong and you stuck to them throughout your entire life. And so do you see any of your students today? Oh, often, often I'll see them if they're still around Cody. Of course, we're all in our older years, even Mm -hmm. them. (laughs) So yeah, it's really fun to uh, see how, how they've progressed, how their lives have gone. And some still come back to Kodiak, and some or still live here, but they're fewer and fewer because it seems like people move off and their lives are somewhere else. Merle is disappointed that home economics seems to be becoming a part of the past. Family unity is part of the home economics experience. Well, it has changed so much because it used to be more a part of the home, and now they've even gotten rid of home economics in the in the schools. They don't have any more. So the young ones, and it wasn't just the girls. I had some boys in the class too. They learned to fix meals. They learned to do a lot of things. They learned to manage homes and finances and things. And they may do the finances in math, but they don't do, get the cooking skills that, that kind of really was a middle, main part of the family life. And now often families don't even eat together. And they, there's seldom home-cooked meals. It's easier to run by something that's a store. And so home economics in the colleges just went their own way and in the classroom. Do you have a favorite dish you love making? I just always like to try different, different dishes. I wouldn't say that I have a real favorite of anything. I've enjoyed learning Alaska cooking, and I really like the sardo pancakes. <laughs> 
So they that's fun. <clears throat> One of my favorite things was to <clears throat> pick the Alaska cranberries and juice them to have cranberry juice. But I couldn't throw away the pulp. I just couldn't make myself do that. So I would blend it and use it in cookie dough. And I know there was one family that they'd had two sons, and their dad said, they don't like cookies, but they sure like those. Merle, you're very delightful. I'm so glad that you came to tell us your story and share your positive imprint. And you are still making those imprints, so I thank you for that. You know, everybody has a life story. And often we don't know what they're going through. So it's just really neat to kind of observe and see if there are times when you can help somebody else. That's a great closing because that is what makes our world special. This conversation with Merle took place pre-pandemic. The art of baking, family time, and home economics are making a comeback. And post-pandemic? Well, Merle hopes that those scrumptious home-baked goods and healthy meals with family members will become a norm. Music by Chris Knoll. Check out Chris at chrisknoll.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Your Positive Imprint, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Learn more about my show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can also sign up for newsletter updates and learn more about the guests. You can listen to this podcast from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, or of course from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and now even Amazon Music and even Alexa. All you have to do is say, Alexa, please play the podcast, Your Positive Imprint. You can also listen from Spotify or, of course, from your favorite podcast platform. Please hit that subscribe, follow, or download button now. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?